Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch on AM 770 KTTH, streaming on the KTTH smartphone app, challenging elections, talking about challenging elections, encouraging people to watch a feed of someone challenging elections. Apparently, that could be criminalized next. That is what's trending. What's trending in Trumplandia? Obviously, the big news item of the day and of the year, potentially, is this fourth indictment. An indictment out of Georgia dealing with state laws on really a federal issue that makes another astonishing legal argument. That if you challenge an election in ways that the state doesn't think are legitimate, the ways in which you go about using the system to try to challenge something that you believe was corrupted, if they don't like it at the state level, you will be charged. Now, of course, there's a little bit of a asterisk there. You have to be Donald Trump. You have to be a Republican. And at that point, Democrats will now go after you. Now, if you're Stacey Abram who in Georgia claimed that the election was stolen, if you're Hillary Clinton, whose claimed elections have been stolen, who pushed every Russian disinformation claim there was, then you're fine. Then you're covered. All good, nothing to see here. But in this case, because it's Donald Trump, because it's a bunch of Republicans, all good, we're all in. Now, these charges effectively amount to the Trump team pushing a legal argument around how they might be able to challenge the results of an election in Georgia. Now, the DA says the way that they went about doing it, because she disagrees with them, was wrong. She rejects their approach. The approach itself wasn't illegal. It's that they attempted to do something that she disagrees with. That's illegal. She's saying that was criminal. She claims essentially, or she would have to at least prove, that the Trump team, every single one of the 18 or 19 that were indicted, every single one from Jenna Ellis and John Eastman to Rudy Giuliani, all of them would have to know their challenges were wrong and illegal in some way. Now, we know that challenging election results is not illegal. It happens on every single election cycle, sometimes more high profile than others. But we know that simply challenging is not illegal. And yet again, similar argument than what was made with the Jack Smith indictment out of D.C., That if Donald Trump believed, legitimately believed that the election was stolen and he said, "Okay, what can we do to challenge this? And then his legal team got together and said, you know what? This is actually a a way we can we think we can argue. It's not going to be easy, but we think we can make the argument this way. That's not against the law. Unless they have some sort of evidence that the people who were leading Donald Trump aiding Donald Trump in these efforts, knowingly broke the law, knowingly took a position that was illegal to take. 
Now, of course, to prove that is almost impossible. And that's why when some folks look at these claims from a legal perspective, they're saying, uh, yeah, no, there's nothing really here. There's nothing here, which maybe explains why District Attorney Fannie Willis just basically threw everything against the wall and whatever stuck and even the stuff that didn't stick. She was like, eh, whatever, we'll go ahead and charge anyway. We'll charge Trump. We'll charge all of his associates. We'll charge the publicist for Kanye West, who's actually listed. And Jonathan Turley from George Washington University on Fox News just flatly rejected this. It's excessive, and I think it's also dangerous. It, it essentially criminalizes challenges to elections. There's no sort of limiting principle in this document. You know, they are charging things like the president saying publicly we need to have a recount. You know, Democrats and Republicans challenge these elections routinely. I've covered elections for various networks. Uh, I don't know how many now, uh, but we often, if not always, have these challenges. Some are more supported than others. Just because one isn't as supported either by the public, the party, or the law, meaning it's not a great legal argument that they're pursuing. It's not illegal to pursue. It's not illegal to pursue. We know that is a matter of fact. And I do think, as much as I think he's wrong in believing some sort of massive election fraud, I do think he believes that. And I've maintained that this entire time. Now, why is that important? Because, again, a key piece of this will be claiming that he knowingly pushed forward an illegal theory, legal theory, through a process illegally. He knew it was illegal. He knew the scam, the, the fraud didn't occur. He did it anyway. That's what they're saying. But I posit to you this. Donald Trump moved forward with various strategies to get the correct result in his views. Correct? That's indisputable. He challenged the election. He followed through with what he said he believed. What did Hillary Clinton do when she claimed that the elections were stolen, that she had the election stolen from her? Did she challenge anything? No. Why? Because she was lying. She knew she was lying. She knew it wasn't stolen. She didn't have the conviction because she didn't believe it. This was a way for her to save face. Donald Trump could have done exactly the same thing, couldn't he have? Right? Save face? No, I think it was cheating. But I'm not going to challenge anything. He could have done that. But he chose to challenge because he truly believed that what happened was a scam, was a fraud. In fact, next week, he says he's going to be releasing a report that has indisputable proof that back up his claims that the election in Georgia was stolen. And maybe it goes even farther than just Georgia looks at some other states. Now, I will read that, I guess, with an open mind. I don't know what he found. And as I've maintained, and I haven't changed my position, there's no evidence that has been presented suggesting widespread scheming, widespread voter suppression, widespread voter intimidation. It's just, it doesn't exist. That has been proven. Now, will this change next week? Maybe. 
Okay. Because obviously, if there's truly indisputable evidence, I hope he presents it. Not just to clear him, but to go after the people who are responsible. I want to make sure that our elections are as clean as possible, which is why I support auditing auditing them after every single election. I think we should do that as a matter of habit. Is it onerous? Maybe. Can it be boring for some people? Sure. What's more important than maintaining a clear conscience around our election system? Now, the indictment comes out online via the Fulton County District uh, website. And it came out, this document, hours before it was official. It happened before the grand jury even voted. How did that get online? Because what was weird was they came back and said, oh, no, this is a fictitious document. That's the term they use, fictitious. And yet when the actual real document came out, it matched it. Almost word for word. Actually, it might have been literally word for word. How'd that happen? I mean, make sure you don't ask the DA. Because as she pointed out last night, she doesn't even, she wasn't even aware a website existed. I am not an expert on clerks duties um, or even administrative duties. I wouldn't know how to work that system. And so I'm not going to speculate. Next question. Yeah, I don't, do we even have a website? I, I wasn't even aware of that. What is this thing that you you are referencing? The interwebs? What is this? I don't know anything. Now, the Fulton County Court Office put out a statement today trying to explain what was going on, how this happened. And basically, in a very long-winded way, they said when it comes to these bigger cases, when it comes to these more complicated cases, we do a test run. Because we want to make sure that the system works. The only people who have access to this portion where we were doing the test, it was the media. We didn't want the media to see it, but oops, we screwed up. The media saw it. And I, I suppose that makes sense until you again ask the question, which was not answered yet. Why is it exactly the same document with the same content? How did that happen? Because you could have very easily just thrown up a whole bunch of various fake charges right and just have you know sometimes on websites the people who don't actually uh update it until a little bit too late and they've already updated with a bunch of like random latin language like what is this it's because that was the default they just put in ipsum lorem blah 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 they could have done that here they chose not to so why is that still waiting on that answer And just to give you a sense of how overly broad this was, and you heard Turley basically say that, that we're now in the, he he said that uh, he believes that there was election interference, and that's illegal, according to this indictment. Let me just pull a couple from here. And there are many examples like this. Donald Trump, or Donald John Trump, made nationally televised speech falsely declaring victory in the 2020 presidential election. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. So he he gave us a, a, a speech that you didn't like. 
And by the way, even if that speech was him knowingly lying, let's just say that. That's not illegal. Again, if political speech that's a lie or untrue is illegal, we no longer have a system of government. Everyone is in jail. Another one. Donald John John Trump caused to be tweeted from the Twitter account Real Donald Trump, quote, Georgia hearings now on OAN. Amazing. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. As much as I don't like the OAN network and do think that it's criminally awful and very low budget, pushing people to watch it is not illegal. It's not, quote, in furtherance of a conspiracy. That's not what this is at all. And yet we're looking at these acts committed by all these people who she decided, Willis decided to indict, and they're so-and-so made a phone call. Judy, I can't say his name. Rudy Giuliani. There it is. inverted it. Giuliani made a phone call to someone. Mark Meadows made a phone call to someone in furtherance of this conspiracy. That's what's in this indictment. That's why it's 94, 95 pages. It is that absurd. And if people want to brag and be sore winners about this on the left because they think that this is some sort of big victory, oh, you don't understand what you're doing. When you abuse the system like this, you've basically ensured that it's going to be abused against you. You guarantee it. And that's a very dangerous place to live. That's a very dangerous place to live. Now, Willis wants this to be tried at some point in February. Last night she was asked if she wants to be first, does she want to be last? She said, I don't want to be first or last. I just want to get it done. I want to do what's best. We think February. I think she said mid-February. So again, keep this in mind. This is another investigation that started two and a half years ago, only to lead to an indictment right before the debates, right after some bad news coverage for Joe Biden, For them to push to get it to a trial during the primary season. But again, we're supposed to pretend that none of this is intentional. None of this is coordinated. I mean, sure, last night she wouldn't answer whether or not she was working in coordination with Jack Smith. But that doesn't mean anything. It totally means it's all on the up and up. Oh, and by the way, she wants to try... All of the co-defendants, all 19 of them, at the same time. Because it was one big racketeering conspiracy. I'm not a lawyer. But what show did I watch all the good seasons of? The Practice. The Practice. And I'll even throw Ally McBeal. I wasn't as committed. And Boston Legal, which started to suck, frankly, after the first season. But I watched that, too. And every once in a while, I catch an episode of Law & Order. Just the legal part. Just the parts in the courtroom. I don't want the other. Just the law, not the order. Because I'm here to learn. Even I know you can't do that. You can't do it from a for a legal reason. 
because you could have co-defendants who have information that could incriminate one of their co-defendants. Thus, you, you can't really do that. But also, you've got 19 people. There's no way that you can do it. Which was the point that Michael Moore made. He's the Middle District uh, of Georgia former U.S. attorney. It, it's possible. I mean, you can be like trying a football team or something, I guess. But, I mean, I, I, it's just not going to be an easy task. I mean, think about just the number of lawyers. But let's say each defendant shows up with a couple of lawyers and they're up and down making objections and motions. and fi- I mean, it, it, it really is going to turn into more of a task than that can ever be accomplished in a six-month period. Very clearly cannot and will not happen. But that she made that point suggests she's either really bad at understanding the law and understanding how to try a case, which is certainly possible, or she's incredibly corrupt. And yet again, she's pushing this because she has a political agenda, which she's not scared to hide. She was trying to fundraise off of all of this. Similar with Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. You elect me and I'm going to indict Donald Trump. That's what he ran on. He didn't only run on that, but that's what he ran on. That was a key piece of his campaign. The fix is in on all of this. And one would hope... That going through the process, it unravels, right? And that the system that we trust or should trust will withstand these political attacks, these political strategies. But what does it say about the people in charge of these systems and the system itself when you could so easily try to destroy a political adversary in this kind of way. Anyone can sue for anything, right? Anyone, I could sue for anything. Doesn't mean it'll go anywhere in the system that we have in place. Has protections for the people who might be the victims of frivolous lawsuits. For example, if I try to sue someone for protected speech, uh, protected speech they gave. And just giving you a completely random example, let's just say it was someone who came out and said, I think the election was stolen. And I sued them for that. Well, most states have anti-slap laws, which is a way of basically saying, yeah, if, if you're going after someone who you know didn't break the law, you have to pay for that person's legal representation. You have to pay for that. When it comes to free speech uh, claims, you have to pay for that. There are ways to speed that through the system. And usually when we're talking about those kinds of trials, the ones that where you want a, a speedy trial, the facts of the case, not, not the legal arguments, but the facts of the case aren't all that difficult to comprehend. It's not that complex. This is complex. And what they're doing here, and I believe they know all of this is not going to go anywhere, even if they were able to convince a jury of any of this, it's going to get overturned. That's our system. But they're doing this because they know that this is going to get in the way of his campaign, and they're going to be able to use this against him. So far, that has backfired amongst Republicans, right? Republicans back him more now. They put people who were kind of sort of still down the middle with him. Maybe they liked him as a president, but they didn't love his personality. 
I'm kind of in that camp. Sometimes I like the personality, but I also think it's a little much. But I loved him as a president from what he was able to do in this country. People who would say, uh, I think I'm, this time I'm going with Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or Chris Christie, whomever. You just push them into Donald Trump's camp. Now, whether or not you'll see that kind of reaction from moderates, independents, I don't know. But at some point, I do think everyone has their limit of what they're willing to put up with before they start to feel sympathy for an individual and say, okay, look, I don't like the guy, but this is absurd. And if you do that enough and enough and enough, and the truth of this all comes out, and let's say they are able to adjudicate some of this before the general election, and it comes out that this was all purely a political scheme, you just reelected Donald Trump. They're putting a lot on this. And maybe they're doing that because they don't think they know in their heart that Joe Biden can't win playing fair against Donald Trump. And this is the only avenue that they can take. Maybe we're certainly going to find out how soon. Don't know. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. 1-800-465-8770. When we come back, yet another violent incident in downtown Seattle. Another murder in Tacoma. What's going on? We'll try to explain on the Jason Rancho. Welcome back to the Jason Ranch Show. We have some breaking traffic news. Thanks to Kamala Harris, the vice president is in town. And as of four minutes ago, three minutes ago, you've got uh, the closures causing some problems. But they have since been cleared. We just saw a tweet from the Bellevue Police Department that said a Bellevue motorcycle officer injured in Seattle, seriously injured during an incident while on service detail for the vice presidential visit. They say, fortunately, the 39-year-old officer was conscious and alert when he was transported to Harborview Medical Center. He reportedly fell between 50 and 60 feet off the Michigan Street on-ramp. He landed in the southbound lanes of I-5. So that's pretty significant. He's currently being treated for his injuries. They say traffic was stopped along I-5 for a short time to transport the officer to the hospital. And now the Washington State Patrol is conducting the investigation. So two incidents happening causing traffic right we have this horrific sounding accident and i hope the officer is okay and then you have the actual vice president's motorcade ironically as she's here to talk about climate change and the environment while stopping everyone from driving forcing them to idle and then pollute even more just her traffic jam so things should be starting to clear up about right now on i-5 so I just saw an image uh, from one of the washdoc cameras. It looks like it's starting to pick up. So if you're stuck in that traffic, now you understand why. Let's talk a little bit about 
something that actually happened very closely to that accident with the Bellevue police officer. Also on I-5, the on-ramp to Mercer or from Mercer. As we broke yesterday, it was happening while we were on the air. The homeless encampment that has been illegally set up on the on-ramp, the site of a murder, of a couple rapes, several fires. Well, they just added another fire to the list. And I posted some pretty great video close to the fire just to give you a better sense of how intense it was. I posted it on my Twitter feed. It was significant. It was significant. Now, we can tell you the SPD arrested one of the homeless people living there. It appears to be 46-year-old Paris Deshaun Alcantara. We're looking at his background to see if he's got any other, let's just call them events, with the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. It's unclear whether or not this is going to be charged, period. But will this be charged as a gross misdemeanor or will this be charged as a felony? It's a little unclear. We'll have an answer for that hopefully by the end of the afternoon. But the fire thankfully was put out, though I saw reports that the Seattle Fire Department at first struggled to find a fire hydrant that worked. Once they did, they put this fire out, and it was relatively quickly the way that they worked. All I saw was just black smoke, yellow smoke, green smoke, and then it started popping and stuff started flying. So I'm like, oh, I got to go. She was talking about going to the restroom, uh, talking to Kara 7 TV there. I'm not sure where the green smoke came from or the yellow smoke. That's quite possibly... If, in fact, that is what she saw tied to maybe some substances that were at that encampment, drugs and otherwise. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, given the history of this location. There's not uh, they're, they're not running a charity over there. They're not doing anything on the up and up. That's a pretty good man on the street clip. I got to say that was the best one I think that we've ever heard. Like, Oop, I got to go. Oop, I got to go. Here's another witness, not as good, talking with Como TV. We just saw a huge gray flame in the sky. It was like a rush of smoke. It smelled really bad. And then I was walking actually down this alley about three blocks south, and I just saw the whole alley was gray and flame. So here's a question that I think is reasonable, and you can certainly text me at 1-800-465-8770 if you don't think this is reasonable. At what point should Bruce Harrell be liable? or Dow Constantine, King County Executive, or Governor Jay Inslee, at what point do we start holding these people responsible, accountable for this? Because they are responsible for what's happening here. Seriously. At some point, you would expect that some leader would step up and say, okay, we're going to clear this out. We're going to take control. We can't allow this to continue. We had a fire A few weeks ago at that other encampment on I-5, it was a result of an IED of two warring encampments, drug encampments. And then finally, after a ton of pressure, Mayor Bruce Harrell said, "Okay, we're using our emergency powers and we're going to clear this thing. We've had how many fires, rapes and murders at this location? Seriously, what, what what is the bar For the city to finally say, if the county's not going to act, if the state's not going to act, we will. 
what is that bar? I want to know. Because at least you're setting expectations for us. So the next time I come up here and we talk about an encampment where some crime occurs beyond the encampment itself being erected there, I can say, well, don't worry. I, I consulted my notes. I, we, we haven't hit that, that bar to clean out. Because there are a lot of people who live in this particular neighborhood who are being impacted by this. They were impacted by all the smoke that went into their apartments and all the noises and smells that come from this place every single day. This camp has been here forever. Media has covered it. Um, and the city obviously doesn't want to do anything about it. There's people in charge that should be doing a better job of this, probably. Yeah, probably. A little bit of an understatement. Something has to give. We have in downtown Seattle, a Nordstrom security guard just got attacked over the weekend. It happened Sunday morning. It happened before the Nordstrom even opened up. Somehow, the suspect gets into the building, presumably to steal. The guard spots the guy. There was some kind of altercation. It led to an assault of the security guard, and the guy ended up fleeing. We're not sure if he took anything. We don't know how quickly the guard was able to intervene. But you'll also recall two weeks ago, we had a car that drove through one of the windows at that Nordstrom. Firing a gun at that Nordstrom. It doesn't seem very bad to me down here. I know third is pretty bad. I probably wouldn't stay around that area, but I always feel kind of safe here. Although I heard about that security guard. Do you still feel safe? She's one of the reasons, God bless her, I'm sure she's a wonderful person who is ignorant as hell when it comes to what's going on downtown. She's the kind of person, and that mentality and attitude is why things don't get better. With any urgency, nothing gets tackled. Because, well, you know, it's not that bad. It's all right. I feel fine. Do you? How often do you go down there? Because I live close by. So tell me how often you go down there. And by the way, that Nordstrom, you say, I feel totally safe. But then she mentions third. A block away. It's literally a block away. So you're telling me that within that block, it goes from, oh, I feel safe to, oh, my God, this is sketchy town. I want nothing to do with it. There's no sense of urgency in her voice. And how many times have we heard from folks who said over and over and over again, oh, it's not that bad. If you don't like it, move. You're just lying for Fox News. You're trying out for a Fox News gig. You just want to get on. Yeah, I don't have a problem getting on Fox. I don't need to make anything up. Turns out there are plenty of topics for me to discuss. But the more and more and more people like that who speak up and get amplified by, in this case, Como News, the worse it is for everyone. I wish media outlets would stop amplifying people like this, even if they represent a growing or even a large part of the population, because we know that what she's saying is not based in reality, that it is not safe downtown. Don't tell me you're safe at the spot in which gunfire just erupted, a car just drove through a window, and a guard just got assaulted during a robbery. So spare me. Oh, I feel safe. Talk to the people who own businesses there or run businesses. This is a guy who runs a business, a restaurant, or one of those food stalls at Westlake Mall. The city needs to do more here you know, in downtown, like maybe put more cops. You know, I've been hearing like customers as well. They've been requesting like cops and more securities. 
Yeah, which which my staff and I we also want more as well. I be, he should talk with that lady. Her name was Anne. He should talk with her and get a better sense of the truth out there because she feels fine. I mean, a block away, she would never go near because she knows what people are capable of there. But where she was, you know, the site of that robbery that turned into an assault and the gunfire and the you know car driving through the window was to- she's totally fine there. I mean, literally, where that guy just spoke, that business is in the block that separates the dangerous third and the Nordstrom. Or maybe it's a block. It Maybe it's two blocks. My bad. It might be two blocks now that I think about it. Well, that'll make all the difference, Just, right? It really, it really does. You know, that's isn't that a saying? A block makes a big difference of some kind? Yeah, I, you, you can coin that one if you want it. That's, you put that in the book of, of coined phrases. What color? Well, this one's just orange. You know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And we only have one orange. That's when you're not going to screw up. Oh, there's so many greens, though. There's like seven different green ones. No, there's seven different green ones. Well, there's only so many colors for our folders where we keep our notes. God, always complaining. Always complaining. There's a story out of San Francisco. It's rather ironic. It is so dangerous that hundreds of government employees have been told you should work from home for the foreseeable future instead of coming into the office because we can't guarantee your safety. And it's the federal building. It's the federal building. It's known as a drug hotspot. Dealers are peddling drugs all over the place, including directly in front of the federal building which I actually think is called the Nancy Pelosi Federal Building. You had just a couple months ago, two men charged on suspicion of carrying out drug deals right in front of the surveillance cameras. They don't care. They don't care. This is keeping people from going into the office. San Francisco has a struggling downtown. Not quite. As here is it here, we're not quite as bad as San Francisco, but we're close. There's a report out from the University of Toronto's School of Cities, which is a very specific school. They, and weirdly, they only talk about counties. I don't understand it. I, no, they talk about cities. And they were comparing the major U.S. and Canadian cities post COVID, specifically the downtown areas, to get a better sense of their recovery. Because obviously, during COVID, Downtown cores in every city in this country imploded. Makes total sense. We did it to ourselves. Out of the 62 downtown areas, the worst at recovery, San Francisco, dead last. I wrote a piece for Fox News about a month and a half ago or so saying we're watching San Francisco die in real life. In real time, in real life, not some, well, you know, maybe this is what it would look like. Think peace over at Slate. No, it's legitimately happening right now. Seattle was ninth worse. So we're in the top 10 of poor recovery downtown. And it is 100% due to the crime, drugs, and homelessness. That's what it's about. You would think that we might do something about it, but eh, takes too much time. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. 1-800-465-8770. When we come back, ooh, Lizzo's in more trouble. That makes me smile. We'll get to that in a moment.
Welcome back to the Jason Rance Show. Beyonce had a concert in Atlanta. I think it was last night. And she gave a little shout out to her buddy Lizzo. She loves you, Lizzo. I mean, she could have put that in a text. But she decided to do it during her concert. And the reason why she did it was because there is considerable fallout due to the allegations made against Lizzo. For those of you who don't know who she is, she is a singer, songwriter. You might know this song. Incredibly annoying song. It was catchy the first maybe 30,000 times you heard it, but then you heard it 30,000 more, and now you just get angry when talking about her. She is also plus size, plus plus size, maybe even add another plus. And that's not meant as a disparaging remark because she owns it. That is her brand. She is someone who is obese and says this is the new beauty. And a bunch of magazines and media outlets said, oh, she's brave for being comfortable as being obese, even though it's not healthy. Let's pretend that this is the new ideal. But according to a lawsuit by three of her dancers, she was body shaming them, basically arguing, in addition to just being a diva, which that part I respect, she was fat shaming them. She was fat shaming. And the funny thing is, based upon the allegations, I think she was appropriate in what she, maybe not how she said it. I don't know how she said it, but she basically went up to one of the singers or uh, backup dancers saying, you get a little heavy to the point that she wasn't able to do her job. That is totally valid to me. However, when your brand is around accepting all body types, no matter what, big is beautiful. This hurts you. This is going to hurt. And according to the Daily Mail, she's been dropped from consideration for the 2024 Super Bowl, the halftime show. They're citing an NFL insider who said, quote, talks of Lizzo being a part of the halftime festivities or performing performing the national anthem are dead now that she is surrounded by scandal. So another reason why we should actually support her body shaming. You don't have to deal with her during the Super Bowl. And you know that because they don't even actually sing there, they're really going to accentuate the the body stuff. It's going to be in your face. That show would have been a lot. So, yeah. yeah uh, be, this is a, a net positive, I, I guess. Yeah, it'll be like Rihanna that's not pregnant. Just, just saying. Why are you giving me that look? It's true. Yeah. They also say her sales, her track sales declined. Pretty significantly. Her streaming numbers are down. It's not costing her a ton of money at this point, mostly because of how little you make on a stream. But they're saying about 6 million on-demand audio streams with the royalty value of about $10,000 are no longer hers. That's according to Billboard. 6 million is obviously a lot. They, they are, however, there's also an asterisk here. They are not counting the Barbie soundtrack, of which she has a song. And I, the way that you stream the entire album would also obviously help her. So they're just taking that out because they want to look 
just at people who just want her, not the uh, I Am Ken, which is a great song by Ryan Gosling that is incredibly catchy. What do you give me that look again for? I haven't heard it. You've not heard I Am Ken? I have heard the soundtrack is, is quite good, though. The soundtrack actually is pretty good, I, I think. I thought it was pretty catchy, including, if I'm being totally honest, Lizzo song, but this is Ryan Gosling. I'm always number two. He's always number two because he's Ken. No one knows how hard I tried. Oh, oh, I, I have feelings that I can't explain. It's driving him insane. It's going to get to that That's basically it. And, but then it switches genres, too, in the middle. It's good. I actually thought it was Does good. he do a rap? No, he it gets into sort of 80s hair rock. I saw Barbie. It wasn't as overtly political as some people are saying. It wasn't great either. It was all right. It was funny, I guess. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text and defend Lizzo. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. Show.